Hello, and welcome to the Gundam Sentinel Podcast. My name is Gordon, and I'll be your host of this limited-run series. Gundam Sentinel is a side story set in the Universal Century timeline of Mobile Suit Gundam. I've always loved this IP, and I wanted to share my love analysis of this with you. This does, however, contain spoilers for other works in the Universal Century timeline, so be warned. I hope you guys enjoy. Chapter 15 Epilogue So it's a little time for introspection. For this episode, I'll give my overall impressions of this side story, both in terms of things I liked and also some things I had disdain for. This episode will also talk about rainbows, Anaheim Gundams, and I'll answer some questions you guys have sent me. So, in terms of overall impressions, in a word, yes. I still love Gundam Sentinel, and it's still my favorite side story. The designs are top-notch and timeless. I also like the fact, for the most part, the protagonists and antagonists were seasoned soldiers, and not just a teenager trapped in a ship forced to be a soldier because of their innate skills. I even understand why Roots was the Cheshire Cat, at least to put in contrast with the humanity of Alice. However, there are some things which I do not like as much as I would have thought. First, I do think the creation of new designs was a plausible continuation of the Titans, just because the Titans faction lost at the end of the Grips War. By the way, spoilers. I would not have expected all surviving members to agree to being reincorporated into the AU Control Federation. Some would still be hardened disciples and would never surrender. To be honest, I'm surprised that there were not animated properties that looked at the offshoots of the Titans Universal Century, falling into Gundam. I also like that there is a historical connection with the new decides in Japanese history. This is covered back in Chapter 1, where new decides essentially Gundam's version of Shinsengubi, and that various main characters of new decides were literally translated from actual individuals such as Brave Kato or Isami Kondo, Toshkrai or Hijikata Toshizo and lastly Josh Offshore or Okita Soji. Ryu Roots was lead pilot and arguably the protagonist, however, at least in my opinion, he is one of the least enjoyable protagonists from any Gundam story I've ever seen. He is brash, arrogant, and like other pilots, not that particularly good either. He certainly had no seeping redeemable qualities. He has average piloting skills at best, and the only heeds orders when it suits him. It seems to me that the author made him like this to be a strong, rather strong contrast to Alice. She, in air quotes, was very protective of Roots, partly or in great part due to her coding. The irony I had noted was that Roots did not seem to have any sort of development throughout the story, but Alice, through interaction with Roots and others, did indeed change and develop. She became sentient and almost had a sense of detecting the emotional state of those around her, including Josh Offshore and their final duel. Roots remained arrogant and headstrong, and to me, not a particularly likable character. In terms of things I did not particularly care for besides Roots' characterization, some of the language used in particular in the last episode or chapter of Earthlight. What Alice said during her awakening that she would want to be violated, that was a bit too much for me. I didn't think that a sentient piece of coding would speak of wanting to be essentially assaulted, and I, I felt it was unnecessary. Some of you might felt or feel differently, or maybe I'm overreacting, but honestly, I don't care, so be it. So there were a couple of key times that a rainbow was referred to in this novel and podcast, as it relates to Alice and her development. The first reference is back in Chapter 12, when Mannings was called into Commander Heathrow's quarters, 
The song At the End of the Rainbow was playing in the background as it spoke of preparations to attack the nudicized forces that occupied Penn's station. It was only briefly mentioned, but I wonder if it was a reference to Alice Cue by Tom Hmm sound clip. As we discussed in the analysis portion of chapter 12, the lyrics suggest that it is impossible to reach the end of the rainbow, so perhaps it's an untable goal or wish. Alice was designed to have human-like persona and intelligence. She did seem to evolve and made the ultimate sacrifice to save Roots and his friends while completing the mission and destroy the last nudicide shuttle before they land on the car in the final chapter. The second time a song that referenced rainbows was alluded to was at the end of chapter 14. The crew on board the Pegasus 3 spontaneously broke out into all songs um, over the rainbow. But why that one? Hmm. All kidding aside, Alice had made the ultimate sacrifice, but just before this, appeared to have evolved into a truly sentient being, and was now at the end of the rainbow and obtained a seemingly unobtainable thing. Her destruction rather resembled a rainbow itself and now had passed on. I am sure it's a coincidence, however. I did find an interesting article which I'll link in the show notes about the importance of this song over the rainbow. The author and Kotoki-san spoke in an interview that was included in the novel that shows they were influenced by other fictional works. They felt that Alice would represent a natural development following the learning computer of RX-78 and also Zeta Gunn's biosensor. It seemed destined that Roots was the Cheshire Cat, in part due to his mother being a programmer for Alice. They were, infu- they were influenced in part due to the AI feature in HAL 9000 that was in Arthur C. Clarke's uh, famous novel, 2001 Space Odyssey, as well as its sequels. They also felt it represented evolution from the computer feature in the 1984 movie Firefox with Clint Eastwood which had featured a thought-controlled computer aboard a supersonic Russian MiG that would allow for a pilot to launch weapons without pressing a button, almost like a Saikamu system. Lastly, before answering the questions I would pose, I want to talk a little bit about the Greek coding for the mobile suits feature in the era of the Universal Century. Specifically, in the Gundam Sentinel Bible, there was a table that featured various Anaheim-designed mobile suits that were given the classification, classification as Anaheim Gundams. They all had Greek letter classifications, including several well-known obvious units such as Zeta and all of its variants, Double Zeta, which is known as Theta Gundam, and New Gundam from Char's Counterattack. Superior Gundam was known as Iota. Rick Diaz represents the first of the series and is known as the Gamma Gundam. There are others that you can check out, including the Mu Gundam or RX-90. They all feature Gundalium composite armor, which made the suits better able to withstand physical damage during combat, as well as other related developments such as wing binders seen in the Delta Gundam, aka Hyakushiki, wave rider technology that is seen in Zeta units, and of course, psychoframe technology that would be huge in Char's counterattack, Unicorn, and NT. I'll include a picture of the table from the Sentinel Bible on social media. Now it's time for your questions. Rayshawn Gadsden, who hosts an awesome and funny podcast in anime and manga, asked a couple of questions to me. He first wondered which pilot was the least skilled. It's quite clear that Ryu Roots would fit this bill and was selected as the Sheshire Cat. He was the least skilled, least disciplined, and honestly one of my least liked protagonists or lead pilots to ever fly to Gundam. He was arrogant, brash, 
and not want to follow orders, which made me even wonder how he was able to remain the Federation as a mobile suit pilot. The novel did frame the setting in terms of the attrition suffered by the Federation as a result of ongoing conflict from the One Year War and Grip's conflict, but still made me wonder, why him? Another question Rayshawn had asked was, was it a clear good versus evil sort of story or was there shades of gray to this intellectual property? I have to say, as with most Gundam properties, there, there's really no clear-cut evil or clear good. I guess the one clear glaring example would be Gira and Zabi, who was the closest to an evil character. One could argue that on the surface there are certain aspects of the Xeon Doctrine that were not wrong, such as space noid independence and autonomy. However, that whole genocide thing, mass murder aspect, not so good. Gundam Sentinel was no different. The new decides were a natural extension of the Titans, that was, in turn, a natural consequence of the events following the end of the One Year War. Spoilers. Just because the Titans were defeated at the end of Zeta Gun does not mean that all Titan soldiers and officers were necessarily all killed off, or that all of them was suddenly just re entered the fold of the Federation. Some would still harbor their pro Earth views, and the new decides feels like a natural extension for some former Titans to me. Another question that was posed was from Sam McCafferty, who posed an interesting question. During the final chapter of Earthlight, one of the gunman pilots posed a question about whether Alice was possibly a new type. Now, it's not explicitly stated in the novel, but she did have moments of empathy and noted the emotional state of her opponent. He had mentioned that side stories of Gundam like Blue Destiny with the exam system featured capturing new type souls to enhance the ability of the mobile suit. Now, I'll admit I've neither seen nor read this manga. Um, I did have to do a quick search on, uh, about this and compare it to Alice, but to me there are some differences in several ways. First, Alice was a complex programming code that had been created by many technicians and engineers, including Root's mother. Also, it did not possess the souls of new type soldiers. Now, it's debatable whether Alice had a soul or not. This is a fascinating question which reminds me of a major premise of Philip K. Dick's novel Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep or the Blade Runner franchise which is based off of. It was certainly not spelled out, but it did seem to have some new type abilities. It was able to detect the emotional state of enemy pilots just like a new type. However, unlike a new type or cyber new type, it cannot communicate telepathically or empathically with combatants on the battlefield. Um, another interview that was featured in this novel shed some light about what they viewed about or thought about new types, and this sort of shoots down the notion that Alice was supposed to be a new type. Quote, We're not trying to make 2001 a space odyssey. That's right. That's why I, when I tried to do space war stuff, the problem was that the, this feature a lot of psychomu. That's why I don't really disagree with Incom. Well, I don't like Incom or new type because it makes the story annoying. After all, isn't Tomino-san's thing the thing called new type? It's Tomino-san's concept, so what should I do with it? At the time when this interview was uh, conducted, Tomino was working on the Wings of Rion, which was an alternate reality to the Aura Battler Dunbine, and also the often overlooked Gaia Gear. Side note, Gaia Gear was a novel where it was initially featured in the periodical magazine New Type. It's supposed to be a future Universal Century series featuring a literal clone of Char setting the Universal Century 203. This sounds kind of familiar to me. It would later become a 26 episode audio broadcast, 
Mobile suits were then called at that time man machines, and they were designed by Mamoru Ito, who would go on to work on pro, uh, shows like MD Guys. <laughs> yeah, Impact Labor 2. This feature was later invalidated by Gundam projects made after this. Some of the designs were amazing though. Although this is obviously not a guy at Gearbrod podcast, I will feature some of the artwork on social media, um, as I have some new type issues from the early 1990s and I thought they were amazing. Another question that was asked is if my opinion of Sentinel had changed at all after doing this podcast, and what we are, what are your hopes for the future of Sentinel and Gundam in general? I guess in a word, I would start with saying yes. I still do think this is an awesome IP, and it would be amazing to see in an animated form. Also, it would allow for companies like Bandai uh, to sell products uh, to a lot of fans who gobble up the opportunity to buy more Gunpla, such as or besides rather the old uh, high-grade S Gundams, Zeku Eins, Zeta Pluses, Master Grade Zeta Pluses, Superior Gundams, and Deep Striker. I was so happy to see that the new plan released of the Mark, uh, rather the, the Master Grade Mark V along with all of the other kits from other Gundam shows. However, as much as I enjoyed Gundam Sentinel, I have approached this perhaps with some sense of uh, fond nostalgia. The one thing I did not like so much, like I said before, is the characterization of Roots. Roots. Again, clearly he's an arrogant ass, and not a sympathetic character at all. I imagine he was made this way intentionally as a contrast to Alice. Last but not least, Tom of Mobile Suit Breakdown provided some fascinating questions. First, he asked, besides Katoki-san getting his career started with Sentinel, he was wondering what Sentinel's biggest influence on the development of the Gundam franchise was. Looking at it now, and I have to say it's somewhat complex. It was put to the side once Sunrise finally gave the green light for the creation of Char's counterattack movie. I do think the design of the mobile suit certainly became more complex and larger, and was partly influenced by this and other works like Double Zeta Gundam. The technology feature in Sentinel did get featured in other later shows or movies such as the Dovin Wolf, Silver Bullet, and Variants. The Zeta Plus also did get uh, featured in other products as well. Lastly, the Encom or the old type version of a funnel was used. This is a theory of mine, of course, but it does seem to have some shared common elements with 8th Mo- uh, Mobile Suit Team in that the mobile suits were just treated merely as equipment or weapons. His second question is more challenging to answer. He asked, what changes would be needed to make to this story to make it more relevant in this day and age? Do you think that Ryu Roots would work as a protagonist in a modern Gundam story? Are there parts of the story that you would think were good at the time, but now become outdated? Especially think of Alice and how much AI technology has developed since Sentinel was written. So I don't know completely how to, uh, how I do think, uh, but there are some differences in my mind. First, Roots is a person who constantly defies orders and is headstrong. I don't think it would work. <clears throat> he is the one character I clearly cannot stand if I have not made it clear before. I do not see how he would be able to still be an officer in the Federation, much less be given such a powerful weapon and promotion. Also, I do think that the Alice, uh, through complex programming, being a woman that needed a man to complete her as misogynistic. Perhaps if they could rework the idea and make it something about some personality trait, uh, that they found the pilot, that would be able to unleash Alice's potential would be more tenable. 
that way uh, they can still have this notion of the Cheshire Cat as a compliment to Alice, just as like an Alice of Wonderland. Also, it does seem an inevitable step of evolution that given the original computer had a learning computer in the RX-78 and was able to make Amro a better fighter until his latent, latent Newton-type abilities became unleashed. Therefore, Alice, as a way to make a mobile suit like a sentient drone, would make pilots eventually unneeded. That notion does seem plausible given the shortage of pilots following the one-year war and Griff's conflict. It also seems to have been an idea seen in other anime shows such as uh, Macross Plus, like The Ghost. It is understandable from both a plot standpoint of this novel in terms of technology, uh, the plot points of later shows, but I do have one other gripe. Why does Alice exist as only a singular copy? If this is not a reason you need to back up your data on your computer, this would be it. It's written, concepts like autonomous driving seem like science fiction, but now cars can be purchased today which can be self-driven. This does bring up important questions such as ethics. In a self-driving car, for example, there's an article that I found that said that in surveys, people said they wanted an autonomous vehicle to protect pedestrians even if it meant sacrificing the passengers. But also, they wouldn't buy self-driving vehicles programmed to act this way. I would imagine that this sort of dilemma could extend to the battlefield. For example, would an autonomous mobile suit in pursuit of a Xeon mobile armor fire a beam weapon even if an innocent civilian shuttle was in the line of fire? I'm sure some coders would program Alice to fire regardless, but it does pose an interesting question, which likely wasn't even considered when this novel was written. It does also beg the question that if Alice was able to survive, or if they had made more than one copy of this AI code, think of all the events that would occur following Universal Century 0088 that would be quite different. The events of the first Neo-Zeon War would likely have been different, as well as the second Neo-Zeon War. In fact, Things like Unicorn Narrative would actually almost make the question, would they have taken place? I do wonder, like a teenage child, about scenarios like a psychoframe to quit Gundam, was able to fight a fully evolved Alice on board an EXS Gundam or Deep Striker, and see what that fight would be like. That would be epic. The third and last question for Tom was, if I could find a letter from Model Graphics that was sent to me. You may recall this is not my first foray into making an online thing about this property. Back in the dark ages, or back in the 1990s, I used to do, to do some primitive HTML coding in my college days and made a fan page for Sentinel. Somehow, a person who worked for Model Graphics found my page. His name was Iwasa Yasuhiro, and he wrote a piece about my page in the actual column in the magazine. I'll put up a scan again of the letter and the article on social media. What would be amazing is if he or someone from Model Graphics would discover this podcast all these years later. So this is going to be the last episode, huh? I have to say I've truly enjoyed putting this together. I hope you found it fun and enjoyable to listen to. As always, references are included in the show notes that you can check out. Please be sure to check out Twitter page at Gundam Sentinel 2, Instagram at Gundam Sentinel Podcast, or Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash podcast. If you like what you hear, please rate and give review on whatever means you listen to this podcast and tell your gun that we're laughing and talk with friends to check it out.